beautiful people it is a wonderful day to be alive because we are back with another episode of the first generation professionals podcast my name is sofia banuelos and let me tell you i am extremely excited to introduce today's remarkable guest this man has a story that will leave you feeling absolutely inspired despite his young age he's conquered numerous obstacles and he's the living embodiment of perseverance He's faced so many odds, including the challenges of the COVID-19, and yet he's managed to stay on the path he originally set for himself. So grab those earphones, get all cozy, because you are about to dive into the incredible story of Adrian Rios. So my name is Adrian Rios. I'm also a first-generation uh, college student. Um, my family, they're both uh, immigrants uh, from Mexico. And um, I went to community college for two years. And then uh, I'm actually a transfer student. So then I transferred uh, to UCLA uh, for another two years. And um, I graduated in 2021 uh, with a bachelor's in psychology. And um, I got, I'm currently on route to med school so at the same time like that I was taking my biology major requirements I was also taking like pre-medical school uh, requirements as well like biology biochemistry chemistry organic chemistry stuff like that physics and um, so since uh, I've graduated I've worked in public health as a community outreach health worker so like um, during the pandemic uh, California had um, I don't know, I think it was a grant to kind of vaccinate the San Fernando Valley because Hispanic and Latinos had historically like low vaccination rates, but really high hospitalization rates during the pandemic. And so they kind of, they wanted this grant to kind of help promote vaccination among like the Latino Hispanic communities. And so I was kind of part of that whole grant. And so I like organized vaccine clinics and I like kind of hosted a lot of workshops and videos to kind of like dispel like COVID misinformation. So like, you know, like Facebook, like I'm sure like you have aunts and uncles or I did, you know, like, oh, like if you have the vaccine, like put a spoon on your arm, like it's going to stick, you know, like, and so had to like dispel all that inf misinformation and just kind of like um, restore the trust that um, justifiably has been lost within the Latino community and like uh, medicine, modern medicine. And um, so I did that out of college. And then um, since it was a grant, uh, grants are, have terms. So it was only for three months and we did get extended like a couple months. But after that, um, I stopped. That was when they were like, okay, grant's done. You don't have a job anymore. And um, then I, after that, I went to work at Children's Hospital um, as a clinical research coordinator. And uh, where I'm currently, where that previous job kind of helped me uh, get this job, and I'm currently on a COVID research study. So like a national COVID research study for, um, they're trying to do something called long COVID. They're trying to kind of see what long COVID is. Uh, they've been seeing it in children. And so I'm kind of one of the coordinators on that study right now that's kind of like recruiting, enrolling, consenting uh, participants and like conducting study visits, things like that. So that's a little cliff notes. Whoa, your clip note is incredible. <laughs> um, one, thank you so much for sharing that. That is absolutely amazing. Two, um, you are very accomplished. Um, can I ask how old you are? I am 24 as of this past August. So just in 24. Happy late birthday. You are Even. so accomplished for 24. So I'm very happy to hear of all of your accomplishments. And then three, for my own personal curiosity, what is long COVID? So long COVID is something relatively new. Some even doctors and nurses don't really aren't too educated on it if they're not if they're not in the sphere of like talking about it. So long COVID is basically um, people that have had COVID that um, don't anymore, like they tested pop, like negative, so they're good now, but they still experience certain symptoms that they didn't before. So like for example, brain fog, like they just don't think how they used to, or it's like they don't memorize things. It takes a little bit more, or you know, the loss of smell or taste that their taste never went back. Um, uh, like, you know, they, they're still, they still have like a cough, their lungs just don't feel the same. So all these symptoms that 
we don't really know why they've actually kind of attributed to something called long COVID. And uh, it's kind of sad because there are certain kids that are kind of predisposed to like, like that all sounds kind of like, oh, like you can't think every once in a while, but there's like children that like have debilitating symptoms that are kind of like people investigators think are due to long COVID. Like they have something called MIS-C, which is like multi-system inflammatory syndrome, which basically means they're like their entire body is just getting inflammation. And so that's like obviously on the more serious side of the spectrum, but nothing too crazy, but anything from like mild symptoms can be considered long COVID. So I hope that answered your question. No, that did beautifully. Yeah. Thank you so much for explaining that. Mm -hmm. And can I ask what motivated you to pursue this career path that you, that you're on? Um, so I kind of, I had to write a whole essay about this. Like basically when you're applying for med school, they ask like, why do you want to be a doctor kind of thing? And, um, so I think it first kind of started, I think like, you know, I don't know, uh, your experience, but I feel like immigrant parents kind of only know like two careers. They're like doctor, lawyer, you know, like anything else they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? And so at first, like, I would be lying if I say that didn't have an influence on like my decision. But um, I was actually, um, as a kid, I think I was like in high school, I was actually diagnosed with um, something called ulcerative colitis, which is basically just like an inflammation of your colon. And it's like a chronic disease. And it's like, it's, I'm fine, like everything, like, I'm cool, you know, but it's like, I think the 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 process of getting diagnosed was really kind of difficult being a first generation um like with immigrant parents that don't speak english as well and like you know they're constantly kind of oh he has like symptoms are downplayed so like i it took like a while for me to get diagnosed and um i i didn't really think much of it in the moment but then like as i went to ucla I learned about, I took like a health disparities class and I started learning how like this was like kind of a systematic issue and, you know, just kind of thinking about like, oh, all this like societal mistrust that our community kind of has against like modern medicine is just kind of like, again, I think it's founded, but I think it ultimately kind of harms us in a way. And so I've kind of, I don't know, like seeing like what was wrong with the system and how like it could have been like my, like my experience as well as like millions of others could have been so different had like there just been a doctor that like just spoke Spanish, you know, like we live in Silmar, you know, and there's like, there was only like two Spanish speaking doctors, you know, and, and that's kind of crazy. And so I think like, despite the fact, I think like Latino Hispanics make up like 16% of the United States, but they're only like 6% of physicians or like, which is kind of like, I kind of want to raise that number. And so I think that's kind of one of the main motivating factors to why I kind of want to be uh, a physician in medicine. Yeah, that's very, that's very inspiring. And you will definitely be making a change. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, within your answer, you kind of answered my next question was so thank you for that. Um, but is there anything else that you would like to add? Because my next question is, did your identity as a first gen student influence any of your choices in higher education like for example I knew that being a first-gen business and computer science major allowed me to open many doors specifically in that area of study and I know that my demographic wasn't in there so is there anything that you would like to add um so I think it oh well that's uh I I guess like for me it also kind of had to do with like my school choice in a way in in like the sense that I didn't really like it was embarrassing in the moment but I didn't really get into any any colleges straight out of high school like I got into none like zero and so I kind of was I took the community college route because I had to and but also to save money and then um I think like once once I transferred I I I like before I transferred when I when I got my acceptances I was actually accepted to four different schools uh like Santa Barbara Irvine San Diego and UCLA and I was really leaning towards Santa Barbara, like Santa Barbara had always been my dream school. And like, I knew it was something like far away from home enough where like you're independent, but not too far to where like you can't go for the weekend, you know? And, but I ultimately chose UCLA. And I think part of that is because, you know, I think it's, I don't necessarily agree with how like society kind of has placed such an emphasis on where you get your education from. Like, but at the end of the day, like, I know, I knew that UCLA would open doors for me, like if they saw UCLA versus like Santa Barbara and like being 
already kind of at a disadvantage where I don't really know anyone in any sort of like industry yet because I'm first generation. I, th I thought like UCLA would kind of open doors for me that would have otherwise been closed. So I think that kind of influenced my decision to kind of go there. Yeah, thank you. UCLA is definitely known for their health department. So really, though, congratulations for that. That's amazing. Um, and my next question, what kind of challenges did you find building networks and connections with professors within your major? Hmm. So I think in community college, it was actually uh, easier than it was at UCLA. And I think that was partly because um, everyone, like, I feel like in community college, like once you are actually taking major classes, everyone kind of has like the same goals as you. So like if you're taking general education courses, like people at community colleges go there for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes they just go there to get like a promotion at a job or to get like an, uh, like an increase in salary. Um, but once you start taking those major courses, like, yeah, like, you know, for example, business people, like once they start taking more higher level business courses, everyone in that classroom has that goal to transfer into a business school. And the same thing would be like for me. And so it, finding that community was very easy. And then like in a group going up to a professor was also very easy because you're not kind of alone. It's not super intimidating and the classes are smaller. And um, so the professors for the most part are more approachable because the classroom sizes are similar to that of like a high school class and uh, UCLA, I think, I feel like I'm not the best like person to kind of give you like uh, a thing, like, I guess, like my experience in that, because like, I'm, I'm biased in the sense that like the COVID pandemic hit, like as soon as I had transferred. So I think I was there in person for maybe like six months and then um, just everything went completely remote after that so it was just like a zoom exactly like this and so it was it was pretty hard to make connections with professors and like you know you can stay um like during office hours which I like tried to do but it just wasn't like as uh personable as like you know obviously in person would have been and I don't think I really I don't think many if any professors remember me even if I did get like in a good grade in their class like just because 300 people in a zoom call like even if you go to their office hours, it's still like through Zoom. So I think definitely like uh, I found it easier to kind of make those connections uh, in community college. Yeah, well, a couple of things. One, thank you so much for touching base on small class sizes, because that is exactly why I chose CI. There's just something about them. Um, two, COVID was definitely a drawback. So I definitely see what you're saying there. And then do you feel that the resources you were provided in community college and UCLA equipped you to succeed post-graduation? Mm, honestly, I think like, I don't know. I, I think I, I can't, again, I can't really speak for UCLA just because it was all online. And like, I didn't really know what resources were available to me just because again, like being first gen and like not really. And it's also like UCLA's first time being like every university actually being completely remote for like two years. So I don't think they really like, I don't really know kind of where to go for resources. So I don't think, I wouldn't say so. Like I, I know they tried um, and I think uh, partly it's kind of on, on, on the student to kind of look, search those resources out. Like it's really like completely on you. Like there's no handholding in, in, in community college or like a big university, especially. Um, and I think I honestly just kind of, I, I just really just focused on like um, in the moment kind of things and I, which was probably to my detriment in, in, in the future, like post-graduation. Um, and I should have made more connections and they definitely were there. I just had to make the effort to kind of find them and I didn't really do that. I kind of prioritized like, like uh, the jobs I had at the time, um, like making money and at the same time, like getting good grades while also like studying for like med school tests and stuff. So I didn't really prioritize like those kind of resources, but I definitely think they're there. You just kind of have to reach, like reach for them. In community college, did you find that there are any resources that helped you? Um, there were, um, it was more so for like, none, actually, uh, that's a lie. There was, I, I'm thinking about it. My first ever actually internship was through community college. And um, it, it was an internship at Cedar sinai And uh, I, 
I think like, again, like just being in a community that kind of has similar goals as you, they kind of, they're the ones that kind of point you in the direction like, oh, there's interviews going on, you should check it out. And so there, there were, there, there definitely was you, you just kind of reminded me of that one. And that one actually did open a lot of doors for me in, in the future, because I could put that internship on my resume in Cedar sinai is like, you know, it's a, it's a hospital here in LA that, you know, people know the name of. And so it, it kind of does open some doors. And I, that experience was actually through community college. So it did, there was, I, there was like resources like that. I couldn't name like a specific one though. I'm sorry. No, don't apologize. <laughs> that, was, that was perfect. But um, I know you also mentioned that you not like going out for the resources and UCLA was your own detriment, but it seems like you are incredibly successful and accomplished nonetheless. So I think you should still be proud of yourself. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think I just got lucky if I'm being honest. I I don't know. This job, it was literally just shotgun, like kind of just applying to everything and seeing what would get back. And I think I just got really lucky to be where I am. I feel like you might be be humble right now. Like, <laughs> that just might be it. But <laughs> I swear you should see my indeed how many jobs I applied to. But that's that's you going the extra mile of applying to all of these jobs. Like maybe you applied to 10, but the other person applied to five. So I think that that also goes to show. So I think you should give yourself some credit right there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> For my next question, how has your education influenced your worldview? critical thinking skills and slash or personal growth? Hmm. Um, so every time I think of education, I, I kind of, oh, I always remembered like what my dad told me when I didn't really get in uh, anywhere. And I think it was trying to comfort me in the moment, but then like in retrospect, kind of after I've graduated from, like I've gotten my bachelor's, I, I kind of still think it holds to be true. Um, he was kind of saying, he's like, the whole system of like higher education is kind of it, it like you have to question it a little. And, and I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, all these supposedly like these Ivy League schools, like they're the best of the best, like the top notch only like they're like these amazing schools. But he's like, it's the students that kind of make it what it is. Like if it was a good school, he, he my dad always told me, like, if it was a good school, then it would take someone that didn't want to study and turn them into like the next Einstein you know, but it's, they're getting only the best of the best. And like, so they're getting their name from the individual rather than like the actual institution. And so, I don't know, I kind of like, ever since he told me that, like going into higher education, like UCLA and like, and even community college, I feel like a lot of people come with the assumption that like UCLA was probably 10 times harder than community college was, but I don't know. I think it was actually kind of the opposite. It really depended on like the classes I was taking, for example, because like, I feel like I mean, I guess like to put it simply, like two plus two is anywhere, like anywhere that teaches you two plus two, it's two plus two. It's not harder anywhere else. It's just kind of like the classes that you're taking. And so I definitely did like, I'd learned a lot from both community college and UCLA. And I think um, my worldview was kind of influenced by that as well, like my father, but, and kind of confirmed by my higher education, but I also, um, higher education kind of did open my eyes to a lot of things that I hadn't really I guess categorized in my head in terms of like like experiences like for example like I mentioned earlier like my diagnosis like for ulcerative colitis like that was very delayed and there was like a bunch of like systemic issues that as like a 12 year old you're not really paying attention to and you're just like oh that's just how the world works but then like as you get older and you go to higher education and they kind of categorize these experiences into like like data like literally like hundreds of thousands of people kind of go through the same thing the same thing I don't know so I, I think like higher education really did open doors for me in terms of like kind of showing me how the world works and categorizing it in ways that I would have just accepted as like well that's just how it is kind of thing if I hadn't gone to if I hadn't like got, achieved the higher education sorry I ramble a lot I hope that answered your question no 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 there's no need to apologize that was wonderful you really you, instead of just accepting what it is, you wanted to know why it is the way it is. So I think that's a beautiful way of going about it. And that's you making a difference right there. So <laughs> were there any barriers that you had to overcome in higher education? And how did you navigate those? Hmm. So I guess a, a big barrier was kind of like, honestly, just 
I didn't, I didn't really see it as a barrier until I kind of, I guess, like would talk to other people in a sense. And they're like, like we had to, like, there was a, it was like a psych class where we had to put like how much our parent, like what our income was. Like it was just part of a survey. And then like, I was sitting next to some guy and he's like, oh yeah, like my mom makes like a 180K, my dad makes like 230 or something. And I was like, oh my God, like, like combined my parents don't even make that, you know? And I was like, and he's like, yeah, I think I'm like, I'm probably gonna go home and my dad's probably gonna help me study. Like he's probably, he's, he's taking this class or he's a professor, he's like done this for me. So I guess like, it's, it's, it's not so much a barrier as it kind of more so like, I guess a disadvantage in, in, in the sense, like I, I kind of had to tutor myself. Like it was just a lot more like on me kind of thing. Like it was like, I, it was, it was so bizarre to me to have like, to hear like my classmates say like, Oh, I have parents. Oh, my, my parents are going to see my grades. I was like, what your parents like check your grades, like in college, they're still on you about that. And they're like, he's like, yeah, like they're super stressed. Like they, they're flying me home so that I can, they're going to teach me how to study. And I'm like, that is insane. Like, that is crazy. Like my parents, obviously they want me to do good, but they're not checking on me. And like, I know if they would, they probably would do the same thing, but they, they can't. And so I think like those, I guess were kind of barriers in, in a way, but I didn't really see them at, as that, I guess, just because I grew up like with your sister, like you can ask her, like our high school was very like, I don't know if you went to Sosis as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's a good, it's a good mix, but there was like a lot of Hispanic Latinos and like with the same sort of background. And so I just kind of, and in community college, it was kind of the same thing. And so I only kind of really noticed it at UCLA. So it was kind of like that, but I don't know. I guess I was just so used to my life. I didn't really consider them to be barriers, if that made sense. That makes complete sense. I think you not viewing them as barriers is a really good thing to view it as. But in the end, like you're navigating this journey, this college, or you were navigating this college journey on your own. And that is undoubtedly a barrier. Yeah. A barrier. Yeah. Um, you were not handed the same cards as the next person did when their mom was making 100 and something K. Yeah. You were not guided through FASPA or yeah oh. organic chemistry tests so but the thing is that you did it like you did it and you're doing it so you, you just, weren't oh my god you just brought back so many dark things <laughs> about FAFSA dude my parents didn't even have an email I had to like <laughs> so confusing oh my god I'm so glad I don't have to deal with FAFSA anymore see like that's the thing like yeah, that was a very parents weird. didn't have an email yeah 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 like, you need an email so yeah 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 I guess you're just so used to something you don't even like really even notice it anymore you know but those are definitely barriers and those were the cards you were dealt yeah you you knew how to handle them and I think that in itself is a strength so thank you yeah um this question is more geared towards your relationship so did you establish any meaningful relationships with peers, faculty, or professionals? Definitely, definitely, definitely. I um, there's peers. Um, one of them is actually my roommates right now that I I met. Uh, I was a tu- I was a math tutor at Mission College, and he was a an e- econ tutor uh, at Mission College, and so we kind of met through there, and you know, he we just became like really close. And there's a lot of like friends that I met through in that sort of tutoring circle, as well as like. Uh, my classes like lifelong friends that like I feel like you know even though you don't really talk to like every day you still know that you can like hit them up every once in a while and be like hey what are you doing and like you know you're truly happy to see like their accomplishments what they've done and like uh faculty there was this one professor that I'll like never forget him he's he was in community college um his name is Dr. Mike Fenton he was a, a chemistry teacher there and um he got his PhD in like biochemistry I believe and he went to UCLA and so I don't know it really struck me because to be a professor at a community college you only need a master's right most people that get their PhD they go on to be professors at universities because they they just pay more you know they have more opportunities and so this here's like this guy who went to UCLA like for his bachelor's his master's and his PhD 
and he chooses to teach at Pierce College. He chooses to teach at Mission College. And like, he really, like you see him, he's like the director of the honors program at Mission College that I was a part of. And he kind of like helped me kind of, there's this program, program called TAP that kind of like helps you in the transfer admission process to get into UCLA. And like, he was the director of that and he kind of guided me and he was kind of one of the people that wrote um, my letters of recommendation when I applied to med school this year. So like he was, he was great. He was great. I, I would say he was probably one of the biggest um, kind of relationships I had built uh, in my undergraduate career. Yeah, he definitely sounds great. But out of my, of course, my own <laughs> curiosity, did he ever explain why he went the community college route? I think he said um, it was kind of similar to what like my my like my dad's philosophy in the sense like he like but going to UCLA like you you're you you're dealing with like these kids that were already given the chance you know and whereas like in community college you're kind of trying to give the kids the chance you know so that's how he kind of explained it and how I'm sure it also had to do with the intimate classroom settings as well and just kind of I don't know I really do see that he was more of like he really wanted to just like funnel like all these people like that were underrepresented um, and like, you know, universities and kind of give them an opportunity and show them he was like, he was really good. I think that's why that answered. <laughs> no, that perfectly answered it. So thank you for that. Um, so thank you so much. And we actually just wrapped up the first portion of this interview. And we'll now be heading on to the next, which explores your own first-generation experience. So, yeah. What does being a first-generation student mean to you? Mm, a first-generation student, um, to me, is someone that, like, you really are intrinsically, like, I learned in school about, like, intrinsic versus extrinsic motiva motivating factors. Extrinsic would kind of be, like, something on the outside kind of being what motivates you, whether it be like parents or like just outside societal pressures and intrinsic is something like within you that kind of motivates you to do something. And so being a first generation college student takes a, a lot of intrinsic motivation to kind of do it, you know, because at the end of the day, you're kind of the first one in your whole, like, it's kind of crazy to really think about it. Like every time, if I think about it, I'm like, whoa, that's insane. Like kind of being, you're the first one in your whole, like, lineage in your whole family like your whole bloodline you know that's like kind of do, getting that first like um like bachelor's degree you know and like that is super insane and at the end of the day like I guess like even though like I'm sure there's like pressures from like um like parents that didn't go to like a college education to kind of do it you know it really is on you because no matter how much pressure they put it, like they don't have the resources to kind of fly you in to force you to study or like to constantly be checking your, your grades to see if you're passing, you know, like things that other parents kind of do do, which kind of is like a cultural shock once I found out that that even happened. Um, so I think it's a, a like a first generation student to me is someone that is very intrinsically motivated to kind of achieve their goals and someone that kind of, you know, does it all on their own you know kind of in a way like not they're not on their own but they're like the motivation comes from themselves like no one else you know and it's really admirable yeah it's having that own your own motivation like you said in that self-discipline because I also mm -hmm. didn't know that people that parents check their kids grades yeah college it's, so it's that crazy. was crazy um but you are like you said you're making the first step and you're paving that way for any little siblings, if you have any, or any little cousins, and a doctor of all things. So I think you set the bar pretty high there. So um, <laughs> did you feel that you had to overcome challenges as a first gen student? And then if you did, what strategies or support systems did you use to combat these challenges? Mm. So challenges, I guess, were kind of like, I didn't really know. Um, kind of like I, I mean in high school we kind of had like I was in the AVID program and so they were kind of on us they were kind of on us in terms of like college apps they're like hey college apps are due hey you have these essays like you have to write them like they're on you but then once you go to like uh like a community college then you have to apply again 
like again like no one's really kind of on you to do that like there's no avid in community college and like you know i don't have parents that know the deadlines that know when things are they're just like hey do them but like it's on you you know and so i think like kind of just being very naive uh, was i i feel like a big challenge i guess like because not really knowing the processes and like even to this day you know i like like um i was i'm applying to med school this year and uh I, I turned in my, there's like something called a primary application. You send it to all your med schools and then the med schools come back to you and they send you something called a secondary and a secondary is unique to each school and they each have their own essays and blah, 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 blah. So I'm filling these out. And this was like a, maybe like a month or so ago. And then I realized like some of these schools require an additional test that I had no idea about. And I was like, oh my God. And so I had to like last second kind of take these like moral ethics, like in medicine kind of tests that I, I didn't know about. And like, you know, I didn't have anyone to tell me that I had to do that. And, and so those were kind of challenges, but kind of what my support system and like what my strategies were kind of just like, you know, I really did lean, uh, my pride was kind of a big thing at first. Like I was also very much like, I'm going to do this on my own. Like, oh, I got this, like I made it this far on my own, I'm gonna keep going on my own, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's, I, it takes like a lot of like, introspection kind of be like that's more your pride and ego talking more than anything else you know like you really if you're given like some sort of help like take it you know and so I kind of overcame that and in in a sense that I I do have um, a cousin who is in medicine and she's older and um, her fiance or her husband now which is kind of crazy he he went the community college route as well and he was the one that kind of told me about like that honors program, which I would have never known about. And he was like, Hey, look, like you should check this out. This is what I did. And, you know, at, least, at first, like wanting to do it all on my own, but then I'm like, you know, like I'm getting like this one little like thing, like it almost just felt like a handout. But again, that's just like my ego speaking, like, take it, take it. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's because of him. My friend said this and it's so true. It's like, maybe it's because of them that you got like this position or you got to where you are, but it's because of you that you're going to stay there. Like at the end of the day, they can put you somewhere, but it's because of you that you're going to stay there and you're going to succeed in that. And so I think really just leaning into whatever resources I did have, kind of wherever it, wherever it may be, whether it was a friend or something. Um, and I just actually like leaning into it. And again, just surrounding myself with people with like-minded career goals, like people that were pre-med, people that were taking the same class as I was, like being surrounded by that kind of also motivates you. And they also might know things that you don't know. And then you might tell them things that they don't know. And so that's kind of like your little support group. So that's kind of how I did it. Yeah, thank you. Um, I was also an avid. That's really cool. Shout out. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, in a way, it also built self-discipline, avid, uh, because it instilled like those good habits, like shout out Cornell Notes or... Oh. Um, like the binder checks but oh. also given that helping hand which I mean depending on how long you've been in the program you are you get used to it because someone's guiding you through that application process including FAFSA for that matter yeah. um, and but now that you're going to med school like you don't have that person to say yeah you need to do this requirement this requirement this requirement and that's just obviously it's it's yourself you know like you're the person figuring it out but one you're doing it though so but two, <laughs> just based on what you also said like pride just pride is such a crazy thing because I know exactly what you're talking about because I've been there um yeah. but what I've noticed and obviously you found out everyone is just so willing to help out if you're willing to ask like you miss out on all of the opportunities that you do not take and I definitely wouldn't call it like your ego. I feel like yeah. that has such a negative connotation to it. It's more like what what you're used to because you're yeah. you're so used to not asking for help. So exactly. I would just yeah. say your previous experiences. Um, but yeah, in the end, you're just utilizing your connections and your resources, which is really why we network. So yeah, exactly. Fine to yourself. Do you feel that your experiences as a first-generation student shaped your understanding of your own identity and cultural heritage? Definitely, 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 definitely. It really made me appreciate my culture way more than I had ever before. I think I took it for granted 
um, being surrounded <laughs> by Hispanic Latinos like my entire life. Um, everyone was kind of Hispanic Latino, you know, a lot of Mexicans in Celsius in the San Fernando Valley. And so I didn't really like, I guess, feel like an individual. I felt more like part of like everyone else, you know, in a way. And so, and then going to UCLA and like going to these job opportunities and kind of being the only one that speaks Spanish in a group or something, you're just like, whoa. And you really just start to appreciate like the beauty of your culture and like, just like the sacrifices of like, you know, like my parents, for example, like I, I, again, like you, when you're with something like your entire life, you almost don't even notice it anymore. But then I'm like, whoa, like you guys went through so much to give me a chance, you know? And so I think like kind of going to like higher education and kind of seeing everyone else's like own experiences and seeing how mine was really something of my own, like unique in a way. Um, I don't know it really it really made me like see the beauty of like my culture and like my heritage and like it made me more proud to be like who I was yeah thank you so much you were celebrating differences and the opportunities that you were given um, mm -hmm. because of your parents so thank you for touching base on that were there any moments or experiences that stood out to you when you felt the impact of being for a first generation student and how did you handle those situations Ooh um so I think the first one was kind of like hearing that one guy say how much his mom and his dad made like that was really crazy to me to hear that and then I think another one was kind of I think I've already kind of mentioned it I might be repeating myself but just kind of hearing like um the problems that like certain like students had like with helicopter parents kind of like always on them about grades that was very like whoa like that's insane to me that like you like they they monitor you, you like that you know like they're really on you about stuff like that like the, the test like they know your deadlines before you do like no way would that ever be my like my parents you know and I'm sure they like my mom like if I gave her if she knew how to use technology she would totally be that parent like I already know she definitely would but like I don't know it really was just kind of a a cultural shock that like whoa like I don't have any of this but just kind of it kind of, then kind of motivated to be like okay well I don't I made it this far I didn't need it you know why do I need it now why am I kind of feeling like oh like sad about it now like so it kind of like it was like a shock but then it kind of turned into more of like a motivating factor after the fact and that made sense yeah that does and can I ask what you learned from that um I kind of I don't know I I guess I learned like to not really I think it's important to compare in order to like kind of see like really I don't know I don't know if it's like an immigrant parent thing or like a Hispanic thing or what it is but just like you know you're kind of always instilled to be humble and to be like you know like don't make a big deal about anything like just keep your head down do your work you know but it's like I think like seeing that kind of made me learn like you know you gotta pat yourself on the back every once in a while like you made it like what the like why is it it's always like in go mode I feel like you know and you you can almost like you should stop more and kind of look at where you are and I'm like I'm like damn like I really made it you know like I really made it here and like I'm not I'm not even close to being done but like you know I made it and I'm gonna pat myself on the back for it you know and like I think those that's something that I it kind of it kind of taught me to kind of you know like stop and like look at where I am versus like just always focusing on like going higher and higher if that makes sense yeah no no I promise it does you literally to stop and smell the roses like I know that's so cheesy but there's a reason that that saying is a saying so yeah. commonly used mm -hmm. and you you are doing it like med school <laughs> like I'm gonna keep saying that throughout this entire interview med school well, hopefully I get it hopefully I get it we'll yeah see. so you know we're gonna we're gonna manifest it you uh, got please that in. please put that out there please I I definitely will so um yeah just celebrating the small victories like yeah you got an A on a quiz or you got to be on a quiz I'm yeah. happy if I get to be on a quiz so me too, me too. <laughs> I'll take it yes, so, yeah so I'm very happy that you learned you learned to celebrate all of your victories if not some of them because like you said we kind of are instilled to be humble and just focus on the end goal but mm -hmm. it's important to enjoy the journey 
yeah work, especially definitely. with all the hard work that you put yeah definitely so thank you for that <laughs> very well spoken i'm sorry you're very well spoken i was just i was just thinking the same for you actually. <laughs> um i was going to tell you that in the end though um okay so for my next question <laughs> how did your family and community react to your decision to pursue a degree in STEM? Huh. Did they understand the value and the potential of that education? <laughs> so <laughs> they were kind of split in a way. Like um, my my I have a little brother. He doesn't he didn't really care. Like he's 14, you know, 15. He's like, whatever, right? Um, um Obviously, I th like I mentioned, I think in the beginning of the interview, like I feel like a lot of immigrant parents kind of only know like a couple careers, doctor, lawyer, I don't know what else, you know, like only that. And so obviously when they hear like STEM, they're like, oh, yeah, congrats. And my dad is only he's so he's funny. He's like he's only like the counter. He's the only like counterculture dude in like the whole like he's like, why does everyone want to be a doctor? Like he's like, you can't he's like, no, like, look, like, listen, do what you want. I'm I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. But like, there's more in succeeding that you don't have to be a doctor. Like, don't listen to them. Like, be what like if be what you want to be. You know, and if you want to be a doctor, then be a doctor. You know, like just get something that will give provide you a good future. You know, and something that will support you. Whatever it is, you know, it doesn't have to be this, this, or that. My mom is more like, oh, doctor, be a doctor. You know, like things like that. Um, but uh, I think they both to this day they kind of still I don't think they really understand what I studied at UCLA they're like psychologo so like or do you know like why people are crazy or like what and I'm like no like it's more ah, like whatever but they learn they want to know and they ask questions so yeah I think that's my answer I guess that short list of a doctor and lawyer is so yeah. funny to me yeah literally like that's all they know that's all they know <laughs> anything else but your dad sounds so great like from early when you told me his view on the university system or just now on you know what you could be anything that you want like that is so that is so refreshing to me but it's also funny that you ended up wanting to be a doctor in the end yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're very very proud of you though whether or not, whether or not they understand organic chemistry I don't think 90% of the population does but <laughs> after that quarter I don't think I did either so. <laughs> but you passed it so yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that matters yeah um did you encounter any cultural differences between your family's expectations and academic pursuits any cultural differences mm, I guess I I think it was hmm I don't know. I, I was kind of more like, I think it, it, it ties back to like, again, like my mom versus my dad in a way. And like, I think culturally they kind of wanted, they kind of want you to be like the head kind of like stop at the top. Like, I don't know. I think like my mom, for example, like coming from uh, the way I can describe it is basically like, I, I tried to explain this to my mom and she didn't get it. She's like, you're just talking about what the, like, what are you saying? But like, I think like her coming from, um, and, and my dad too, but this is more so my mom coming from like Mexico to the US, um, they didn't have anything. Like they had very little opportunity. And so when they see me, who's like their son that has all this opportunity, I compare it to like a lemon. And like, you know, like when you like you have a lemon and you make lemonade, you know, some people like their lemonade with like a lot of lemon, like you squeeze it super tight. And then other people, they only want like a little bit, like they want more sugar in it or whatever. And so it's to taste is my point, you know, and I think my mom uh, is very much like if you don't squeeze every single drop out of that lemon, if you don't skin that lemon, if you don't use the seeds in some way, if you don't use everything then you wasted that lemon, you know? And whereas like, I kind of see it more as like, you know, I, I want to be a doctor, but I don't want to be like the head honcho. Like I'm so fine with being, and you know, like, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in like, you know, you can change your path at any time. Like if there's like in a year or two, when I feel like, oh, this isn't for me, or I find something better, I, I don't see anything. I don't feel like I wasted any time and kind of 
changing my career path because at the end of the day, it's my journey that brought me to this change. It wasn't wasted at all. I would have never gotten to that change if I hadn't gone through this journey first. And so I think there is that sort of cultural difference to kind of like, you know, when you get an opportunity, use it as much as you can. Whereas like I kind of more advocate for using it to the point of, you know, your taste, wherever you're happy, wherever you find like, you know, fulfillment in your life. It doesn't have, you don't have to go to the tippity top to be happy, you know? And so I think that sort of cultural difference was kind of a big thing. You are the first person who's related it to that. So thank you. And I love that lemon analogy. And yeah, it's this interview is so refreshing to me, especially from someone who is so young, you're 24, yet so accomplished, yet you're still going through it on this journey. Because I know, I know being a doctor is just, I watched my fair share of Grey's Anatomy and I know it's been <laughs> a long time. I know it's been a long time. It's so okay. <laughs> it's just refreshing that you're embarking on this journey in which is obviously everybody knows it demands so many years of your life, but you're, you're at peace with knowing I can change it at any time and that's okay. And whenever, whenever my lemonade is to taste, like I can stop here. So yeah. thank you for that. Like, that's very refreshing to hear. And that, that really does calm me down as well. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure it'll calm a lot of other people down. So thank you for that. Hopefully. That's thank you. Um, And again, you do not need to answer any questions if you do not like. However, the next question actually asks about like finances. <clears throat> and was your financial situation a factor in your decision to pursue college as a first generation student? Um, I don't want to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I uh, so definitely was. So I think my first I think I lied. I did get into one school. I got into UC Merced in high school. Um, but I think it was it was because I think being a California resident, if you have like above a certain GPA, they like have to kind of uh, uh, sorry, someone knocked on the door. Um, they kind of have to let you in. No and so um, that's why I was kind of like, oh, like and I didn't really want to go there. I was just kind of convincing myself that I did just so I can go to a four year university. And then I was like, you know what, like I'm just going to like I'll, I'm going to wait. And then another big factor was obviously financial burden was also a big factor in why I didn't go to Merced um, because at the time um, it was actually senior year in high school I my dad actually got laid off from his job that he had been at for like 30 plus years so like it was just kind of like an income that my family was used to kind of growing up and he had built seniority so even though he only had a high school diploma because of his years in that industry he was able to make like a living wage and in in like being able to support us and now that that was going to be gone um it definitely was a motivating factor for me in terms of like going to um community college and uh there's i forget what the program is called but i think the first year of community college is free i don't know if it's the first one or two years um but it's free for uh california residents or LAUSD students i think it's LAUSD students i don't remember it was a while ago but um so having your free like year of undergraduate, like it was, it was cool. So I took that. And then the second year, I think I only paid like 300 bucks for like my whole second year of college. And, um, and it was also a motivating factor. Like I mentioned all those other factors of me choosing UCLA, but another factor was um, like money. Like I didn't have to, I could drive there if I wanted to, you know, and I did, um, I did kind of want the college experience. So I did dorm for like a little, um, just because I always wanted that and I felt like I was robbed like being a transfer student but um like it was it was ultimately it would ultimately be cheaper you know to go to UCLA versus going to Irvine or San Diego or Santa Barbara that were farther and like anything in terms of like you know gas that that is like something that people don't think about and like you know even if I did have to drive there back and forth or something like that I'm talking like 20 miles to UCLA versus like 100 plus for Santa Barbara 200 plus for San Diego you know I think maybe that might be wrong maybe that's too much <laughs> but um so I it did definitely play a factor in like me choosing the schools that I chose you utilized utilize the grants or the programs that were given to LAUSD or just California students and you went to the first two years of college practically free so that is insane I didn't even know that that was a thing so yeah. 
very happy for you. You saved so much money. Yeah. And I mean, that money went towards dorming. Yeah. And even you saved so much money with gas if you ever wanted to visit home. So I think UCLA had a thing called blue and gold plan as well. So that also kind of really helped us out a lot. And, and I think it kind of covered like a lot of the dorming too. So I got really lucky. Yeah. Can you explain what the blue and gold plan is? Um, I don't, if I'm being honest, I, I remember like going on my financial, the financial aid portion of like my UCLA, I clicked on it and it said, you have the blue and gold plan. Your tuition is covered. And I was like, oh, cool. And like, and like, I checked like, and I think, sweet, just, okay. Yeah, literally. Like, I was like, I didn't ask any questions. I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> you know, but I think it, it had to do with like income and like, you know, like, I guess like lower income like students were kind of given that sort of blue and gold uh, opportunity so I think like most of my tuition I think it was near the end where I kind of had to pay more just because of like the COVID pandemic I think but um yeah so I think that's all I could tell you about the blue and gold plan I'm sorry <laughs> something to do with socioeconomic status that's no it. you're totally fine free money is free money and then yeah, yeah. so I'm happy you got that as well Thank and it you. covered your dorm as well I covered part of it it covered part of it, not all of it. Good enough for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, seriously. A hundred dollars is a hundred dollars in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. So we're actually nearing the end. I have a few more questions. I want to say like maybe two or three. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we're actually now into the advice portion of this interview. Cool. And my question is, what advice would you give to other students as they embark on their journeys to professionalism? who may share the same experience as you? Hmm. Don't like, like, I don't know. It's like so cliche, but like really don't care about what people think. I don't know. I think like me, uh, like being in high school, like going to high school, I don't know, like it, like going from high school to community college, you're still kind of a high school student. I feel like the first year, you know, like you're still kind of have like high school brain and you're also like, you're kind of embarrassed to kind of ask a question or something, you know, like, who cares like literally like I'm like whoever like you said like whoever's in the same position as me like who cares if you ask a question like no if you don't look dumb like there's so many other people having the same question at the end of the day you were the person with the guts to raise your hand you know and like not really like I think it's like admirable like you don't really have anything to prove you don't have like a front you know you're not putting out on a front like you don't know you don't know what he's talking about and you have the like guts to say like what are you saying you know and like that also kind of that sort of like humility and like um just like going beyond yourself and like asking that question it, it allows you to develop a relationship with the professor you know the professor's not going to look at you like an idiot he's going to be like oh okay like what or like they're going to be like yo like okay this guy this girl he's they're thinking about it they're thinking about what i'm talking about they're actually listening to me you know like I'm sure there's so many professors that are just used to like a glazed eyes or people are like falling asleep or everyone's just really tired, you know, everyone has gone through that. And so to have someone actually interact with them, it like, it means a lot to them and it shows that you're paying attention to them. And so like, kind of go, don't like fall into that high school brain of like, Oh, I don't want to feel like an idiot or nerd or whatever, you know, like whatever it is, like just kind of ask the questions and, and like stay after class and, you know you have more free time I feel like when you're in university like take advantage of it you know like kind of uh, like also focus on like extracurriculars too kind of I think I would say is like a big thing not just education but also just like things that kind of you find joy in because then like when you're super stressed out and you don't really have any other outlet except school like it it could kind of serve to your detriment so really don't always like make time for something that you really enjoy, whether it be like physical activity, like you said, you just went to the gym, um, like physical activity or just like anything really like reading a book, watching a movie, like hanging out with friends, family, like just something that like heals like your heart and soul that doesn't really have anything to do with school. That I think is also super important and you shouldn't like sacrifice that in, in the hopes of it, like success, you know? Cause I think it comes with it. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for that. You pretty much tied everything into it. Just maintaining that balance between work, school, extracurriculars, but also your own self-care in the end of the day. So no. thank you for that. 
And yeah, if you have one question, there's 10 other students with the same question. So if anything, they'd be so grateful that you asked yeah. them to just slow yeah. down. So, and if you could give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? Oh my God, my younger self was an <laughs> idiot, dude. I think like, honestly, like, read, read the requirements. What are you doing? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think like, <laughs> I don't know I think really kind of looking more into the, these programs and kind of just like I did like a lot of a lot of my what I learned through like I guess like my medical school journey was kind of through word of mouth like I would ask other people like hey what did you do for this which is totally good but I think it was the only thing I did you know it was like that's how I found out about the process I would ask people I would ask like someone that was a year ahead of me or doing it too like hey what did you do Hey, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do that? And I've kind of, and I think it's important to do that. I think where my mistake was, that was my only form of information. And I think I definitely like should have just gone on a website, like gone on the school's website and just read it. You know, like I told you, like I, there was these two tests, like, yeah, I could say like, it definitely was like, I'm sure there's like people who had parents that were on them about taking those two tests, but also like, I had time. I could have gone on that website and read the requirements for these schools, you know, like, and I didn't because it was just through word of mouth that I heard, like, I had to do this, I had to do that. And I didn't really do, I didn't really rely on like my own research as much as I should have. So I think kind of having a balance of both like peers advising you as well as you doing your own research. Um, I know that's obvious, but it's, <laughs> I guess it's something that I would have told my younger self to really do yeah but it's not as obvious for people who don't have that guiding hand so yeah. it's in retrospect it's obvious in retrospect but not while you're no I yeah I totally agree thank you for that yeah and as we do close out I have one final question okay. if your journey as a first generation student and professional could be captured in one song Oh, what geez. anthem would oh, you choose God. Oh, God. to represent all of the challenges the triumphs and perseverance that define your remarkable story. I'm asking this because we are producing this podcast and we are going to use your answer to this question as an outro to this episode. Ooh, whoa, that's really cool. That's really cool. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, ooh, actually... <laughs> Okay. I'd be impressed if you didn't need to pull out Spotify or something like you just had it on the top of your head. <laughs> I did. I had the artist in my head and then I was like, okay, it's called um, uh, Flower. That's the, the name of the song is called Flower and then parentheses in full bloom. And it's by uh, Luna Lee, L-U-N-A in space L-I. And it's, I think it's really, I think it's a, it's kind of in the name. She kind of, she dropped this kind of album and it was just a bunch of like little, she plays like five instruments and she just, it's just like a bunch of little, like, um, I don't know, like just jams. Like, I think it's called a jams EP. That's what it's called. And that's was, so cool. yeah. And there was this one song called flower that she actually turned into a full song and it's called uh, flower in full bloom. And I think it's kind of like, you know, representing, like, I feel like everyone's kind of college experience, like you're still kind of growing. And then like, once you kind of get, where you're going you're kind of a flower in full bloom so that's I think the one I would pick one that is absolutely beautiful <laughs> you are the first person that actually gave it to me when I asked and <laughs> the fact that you got that that answer so quick like I'm <laughs> so impressed right now I feel like that would have made I needed to pull out my phone I needed to get back to you so thank you so much also you just put me on a new song so hey, cool. hope you like it let check out Luna Lee she's really good okay shout out you guys hear that shout for out all Luna the viewers Lee. Luna Lee flowers parentheses and full bloom but yes that actually does conclude this so I just again want to thank you so much for having this interview with me, you are absolutely wonderful. And I'm so inspired by your story and just all of the experiences that you've had and you being so vulnerable with not only me, but for anyone in the future who will be listening to this as well. So it was definitely a pleasure to meet you, Adrian. Likewise, very, very much a pleasure to meet you too, Sophia. 
I'm yeah. just as inspired. Like I was not doing what you're doing <laughs> at your age. So I'm just as inspired. Okay, Mr. Med student. <laughs> okay. Okay, Miss Business. Okay, Miss Business. <laughs> but um, if you don't have any questions, then you are more than free to leave the Zoom call. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your night. I hope you have a great rest of your night too. And take care. <laughs> Thank you so much. You too. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the First Generation Professionals Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Adrian just as much as I did. After this conversation, I feel as if I learned so much valuable information to not only continue persevering on my own journey, but to also prioritize the necessity to stop and smell the roses. Not only that, but to also be mindful of how sweet or sour I may want my lemonade. Adrian is proof that despite the cards we are dealt coming into this world, there is truly nothing stopping us from achieving the goals we have set for ourselves. With hard work and determination, we are able to achieve anything we may put our minds to. If you enjoyed this episode, please ensure to subscribe to our podcast and ensure to follow us on Instagram at firstgenprofessionals under CI. Catch you all next time and I hope you have a great day.